Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Greetings. We are so glad you've joined us for today's podcast. Walt and I are beginning a new podcast series. So we've done an introduction. We're going to jump into round two, A Crown with Purpose. And you know, as we've been working our way through this first chapter in the book of Esther, we've been talking about this passage and these verses that we want to examine today. But we just want to tell you that even as we begin today and we always discuss various elements, right? For the podcast, a title, what what's our thought going to be, our main idea, what are we going to pull in there? Okay, Brenda, how serious are we going to be right now telling the people the behind the scenes notes on what we well, do? Well, it's just, it's been hard. This, <laughs> you know, the, the book of Esther opens with a very dark scene, right? This first chapter is hard and we, we like, you know, we like things to be peaceful and we want to show the joy of the Lord. And the positive aspects exactly. of, of God's scripture to encourage us. Yes, because that's what we want to bring. But, you know, friends, this is a pagan king leading a pagan empire. And they're doing what unbelievers, what pagans do. This first chapter you know, really, this whole book is is just a picture of pagan. So it's Persian, the nobility, the empire, right? Um, highly satirical. This writer, he describes this king, this, this man rules the whole known world at this time, and he spends half a year hosting lavish banquets for his people, right? Well, let's continue in this chapter. We're in chapter one. We're going to begin with verse 10. On the seventh day, so this is the end of this one week of feasting that's been taking place, um, the heart of the king was merry with wine. So think he's had many bottles of wine. Okay, he's buzzed. And he's been buzzed for seven days. Okay, well, this king has seven eunuchs, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce those names, because even King Hasuerus is a hard name to pronounce. But he called his seven eunuchs, they served in his presence, and he said to them, bring Queen Vashti before me with her royal crown in order to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. You know, history records that the Persian kings, and and there are other kings in other um, empires as well, but Persian kings castrated many of the men who served the king and his family. Um, They did not want them to be involved in sexual relations with female members of the royal court, and then start dynasties of their own off on the side. So these are eunuchs who serve the king. Vashti, the the um, 
name uh, given to this Persian queen could mean best or the beloved or even to mean the desired one. And she served as his queen. Well, it's not possible uh, to determine why Vashti refused to obey the king's summons. Um, a ru- the rabbinic um, embellishments to this story, the madrastic of Vashti holding her refusal um, of the king's order is even believed that she was ordered to appear naked with only her royal crown before his guests. And remember, these are drunken guests. According to the Talmud, um, the queen refused to come because Gabriel, who the angelic protector of Israel, had smitten her with leprosy. The idea that that the queen had come down with leprosy and she did not want to reveal this disease And Gabriel, of course, is trying to get her off of the throne so that someone else could be in a position because of of the fate that is coming to the Jewish people living in Persia. Well, the important point for the writer was that Queen Vashti refused to appear but not why she would not come before and, that. And, you know, Brenda, even as you're saying that, there's there's all this dispute, and they're saying, well, is it this or is it that? The right. Po- the point is, there's a lot of history taking place behind this scenes. You know, this the Book of Esther took place during the Persian period of ancient history, which is almost 200 years long, but it focuses in on, on a 22-year span of this king known as the Hasheras, but also um, Xerxes is, is the Greek name, and that's really popular because of Herodotus, a Greek historian that's talking about it. And this 22 years, really, the book of Esther really focuses on a 10-year span that was really important. The, the, the king is already doing this military planning session there in Susa, and in this disposal of Vashti, it's this, this just a couple of years into this planning, but then his plans all fall apart as he's about to to take on Greece. It doesn't go well, and that's the whole story of Sparta and the Greeks. And we're not going to get all into that, but this story is happening at a time when he's in a fragile place when when he's making these plans and he's wanting to take on the Greeks. And um, it's not separate from this. It really is placed in this time and in this place in, in history. And the king has a reason to be concerned in the midst of these plans. And even as we continue in the story, starting with verse 12, but Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. And at this, the king, he became enraged and his anger burned with him. Very strong. I mean, he is, he is very upset. He is furious. Um, That's the best translation. He is furious at what she has done. And then the king said to his wise men who, who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure to all who were vested in the law and judgment, the men next to him, and these seven wise men who, who are eunuchs, and they, this was a period of seven princes of Persia and Media who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. These are his top people. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus? 
delivered by the eunuchs. And, and what's important is, is, is this is recorded in multiple places, in, including Ezra chapter 7, that there was a period of this council of seven that continued for at least 25 years. And these men were cabinet-level officials in the government. So, so the king goes to them and he says, I'm furious with this lady. Uh, she's my queen, but she has just publicly totally humiliated me. All right, guys, you're my top cabinet officials. You're the ones that can give me advice. What should I do and what do I need to do? And, and I hope you feel the emotion of this. I mean, this guy is, if he's not out of control, he's close. I mean, he's been making, having this huge party and then, then finished it up with a week of even more parties. Well, and he's, he's wanting to show his power and his control in this. And we know from the, the opening verses in this chapter that we talked about last week, the queen was also hosting her own feast with women in the palace. And, and we know historically this whole idea of a state dinner, you're, you're displaying you know, your, your power and you're displaying your might and you're trying to impress people. And this is what's happening. But this is an estate dinner on steroids. This is like the, the, the queen of England is coming and you've been waiting for this for years. And, and this will help set the stage for the next number of years and in the midst of that he says i know what will really capstone this 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 dinner of all dinners i'm going to bring in my queen and she's going to be impressive and people will say he's the most powerful king and he has the most beautiful queen and with that everyone will be impressed and it all falls apart yeah and we continue in verse 16 one of these eunuchs, Memekin, said in the presence of the king and the officials, not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's behavior, will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath and plenty. The king's advisors here, they feared that Vashti's rebellion, her uh, refusal to come before the king's party that would lead to a popular women's liberation movement, to the revolution of among all these aristocratic wives. Yeah, yeah. and even as you're saying yeah. that, Brenda, there's something really important culturally going on here. I mean, very recently, I had um, we're getting ready to do a missions trip to a to a, a foreign country, and with that, I, I was being challenged that culturally some things are going on there that that um that are very different than the culture that we live in, and and with that, I, I was kind of learning some new things. Which it, when we go to that culture, the, the women, including women with young children, they want to honor. It's important for them to honor their husbands, so they'll the husbands will sit in these places of honor and the women will be standing even women with children and and what we were told is that's so foreign to our culture we would say oh no let the women and children sit 
set. I mean, it, 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 there really something culturally is going on here. Remember, this is, it, yes, it, it's a male-dominated society, but even more importantly, this, this cultural norm that was just broken, it, it, it's hard for me to wrap my arms around it, uh, you know, in my country, in this day and time, but it makes a lot of sense for them. Well, even as we, we look at this passage, we had said, this is a hard passage. And even as we finish this up, it doesn't end well, um, this chapter. So as I continue, if this is verse 19 and following, if it please the king, let the royal order go out from him and, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it may not be repealed. And we're going to hear about this again later. Once they've made their law, that's not going to be repealed. That Vashti, who is never again to come before King Asherus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So that the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, and all the women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Mahakmug proposed, and he sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language. Remember, we're talking about a huge kingdom that goes from Ethiopia all the way over to India and north into modern-day Russia. I mean, this is a huge piece of land. And he sent this to every province in his own script that every man be master in his own household and speak according to the language of his people. And we, we see something similar to this in the, in the book of Daniel, where, where this whole idea of the law of the Medes and the Persians, once they were officially invoked, couldn't be couldn't be refused, couldn't be then said, oh, no, we were just kidding. Um, and when we get to this phrase, this, this last phrase of verse 22, it, what it means is that the husband's authority in the home was, was evident in the fact that, that this needed to take preeminence, that this was something that had to, to be reaffirmed, especially at a time when this king, his authority was being challenged, that, that what he was trying to do in, in taking the Persian Empire and moving it into Greece, he, he was saying, I need authority. I need all the people to see me as the guy in charge. And, and with this is, is this whole idea of if the queen is allowed to refuse my command, what about my soldiers? What about my generals? Can they refuse my command? Can they then say, I, I, I don't, don't want to do it? I don't think you're making a wise command. This is so important that this whole setting is set in a military setting, but it also involves the family. And with that, the norms of what what happened in Medo-Persia. And, and again, remember, this is 2,500 years ago. This is a, a time that's very different from our time. And, and as we get to this point in the book, we're just saying, what in the world is going on? And how does it relate to us? Well, and even as you're sharing and you're teaching through these verses right now, while and and I'm listening, I'm reminded and and just kind of it's provoking thought for me. This this book is giving us a glimpse into you know an empire, as you said, you know, well over two thousand years ago, but 
but watching and seeing how a king rules this and how how his different leaders respond to him and the wisdom and the decrees that are sent out we're going to see this again in this book yeah and it's so foreign again we we recognize we've just been informed we have people listening in 52 different countries to this podcast that have all kinds of history of their own and and what has happened in their countries and we we don't know all that but for us living in a democracy, for that's all I've ever known, this is so foreign to me. I mean, just this whole aspect of one king that's just that's just rules with an iron fist, and he he sets a decree, and and he, if he doesn't like something, heads are going to roll, and if he likes something, you, you know, I mean, this is is so different than a democratic setting. This first chapter ends <laughs> so poorly in my opinion. And and with that is this whole recognition that, good heavens, is this, is this what we've got going on here? Well, we know as this chapter is ending today, the writer of this book, remember we shared last week, we do not know who wrote the book of Esther, but is describing a king who rules this whole known world and that he has thrown these lavish banquets for well over half a year, a king who rules the whole world and yet is unable to command his own wife to do or to perform according to his will. But I want to share as we prepare to close today, a head to heart. We, we said in the opening that, that it's really hard. We, I, I mean, how do you come up with a head to heart? But friends, God is here. He is, he's not disappeared. His fingerprints are on this story, even in chapter one. And so as we've worked through these verses, I want to tell you, I'm just left with kind of a sick pit in my, in my stomach. What has happened here? A king who rules with an iron fist and demands complete obedience of his wife, even, even to the point of really bringing her in and, and to a certain point showing her off, but, but possibly shaming her in front of a drunken group of men. And we, we read this and we, we say, wow, that really was a request he made of his queen. And I went to 1 Peter 2, 16, says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. You know, these verses were penned during the Roman Empire. God isn't surprised. He isn't caught off guard when sinful people, kings, emperors, leaders, live out their selfish, sinful behaviors. We are to live as examples, we as believers, to a watching world. We've been freed from the penalty of our sin. So as people who walk with God, he wants us to live differently, honor others, love them, fear God. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. He says, honor the emperor. Even Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And so friends, as we come to the end of this first chapter, remember, God is in control. His fingerprints are there. 
and we can trust him. Till we come together again, may we continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.